Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. All right, stop the music. Stop, stop the music. Hang on. Episode 34. I'm Tommy. He's seven. Maddie P is not with us tonight. We're recording on Monday night. We're I, seven. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what a day for baseball. What a day indeed. If you've been living under a rock, the Astros have gotten their their punishment they've gotten their comeuppance yes and comeuppance i like that jeff lanau and aj hinch suspended for one year and then promptly fired aj or um, astros fined five million dollars and then stripped of first and second round draft picks for the next two years wow yeah um I mean, I, I want to start off by saying, as as a Yankees fan and you as an Indians fan, I think we can both take solace knowing that evil was dealt a swift hand of justice today, and may the cheating be be gone forever. Yeah, um, and and more justice will be served when when Alex Cora yeah. gets his comeuppance, and that may, coming for you, Alex. That may have. Uh, a bonus episode later in the week may have one depending on how swift the hand of justice is so i think this the hand of justice is going to continue to be swift um just considering everything we know now from that report that got released uh the quotes in here are extremely interesting i'm reading one right now cora was involved in developing bold banging scheme <laughs> sounds funny when you said it like that the banging scheme. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was involved in, in developing the banging scheme and utilizing the replay review room to decode and transmit science. Court participated in both schemes and through his active participation, implicitly condoned the player's conduct. Uh, he goes on to say that he brought, oh, here it is. He brought the same, I guess, scheming or... I don't want to call them algorithms because it's not like a, a test, but he brought the same shit with him to Boston, um, and it followed them into 2018 with that amazing season they had that, uh, for all intents and purposes, sounded like it was just a dream year in Boston, um, but now that is tainted as well, according to this report here from Manfred. So as far as I'm concerned, this is pretty believable. So I think we can stop saying allegedly, and I'm pretty sure we can start saying that they both fucking did it. I want to say now that now that punishments are handed out, I'm pretty sure that this is the the guilty. This is the guilty verdict. Yes, exactly. Innocent until proven guilty, and they were just proven guilty. So, in the in the words of Paul Bramer, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Absolutely, and uh, in the famous words of Matt Damon from The Departed, "Do not pursue, do not <laughs> pursue all those rat fucks." Oh my gosh. All right. We buried the lead 100%. It's episode 34. <laughs> it's it's the the Nolan Ryan, David Ortiz, Bryce Harper, Rolly Fingers, and honorable mention Dick Kalmus episode. 
We have <laughs> also uh, honorable mention the less famous DiMaggio, Vince DiMaggio. Vince, it's, it's the noted Vince DiMaggio episode. Um, we have Joey Zanaboni. Uh, we have that interview coming up. Um, you know, I mentioned I'm Tommy Caricelli. He's Real Seven Costanza. Uh, Maddie P not with us tonight, but will be with us uh, for the bonus episode when the swift hand of justice drops on Alex Cora. Should that come? Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week after this episode drops. First of all, Joey, absolutely the electric factory. Yeah, that was a great interview. Uh, I really, I was, I don't want to say concerned. I guess I was just a little perplexed as to what we were going to get from him. Um, And he kind of got right into it. So he was, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like uh, a guy who, who might not be a household name, but if you're a baseball fan, you've probably seen the video go around. Um, and it was one of those things like, hmm, you know, what are we going to talk about? And he jumped right in. He is much more than a baseball voice or a play-by-play voice on the radio. And that was so much fun to just learn his story and learn about him. Yeah, and hopefully he takes my recommendations to heart and he can start using some of the uh, super bad lines I gave him for the home run calls. <laughs> An early candidate for Gappy the Gappy Award for Interview of the Year. Uh, definitely going to be one that's going to be tough to beat. Uh, going to be fun, though. Uh, again, that interview coming up here uh, after we talk about the Swift Hand of Justice. Back to the Astros now. Fair? Foul? What do we think? Well, it, because there's never been anything of this magnitude, I guess, we have to say fair, right? Because there's no precedent set before this. Yeah, I mean, there's been chatter, and I'm sure many other teams have done something similar. It's the fact that the Astros got caught, and Manfred was in a st- he was in a tough position. So love him or hate him, um, and again, I don't think this completely absolves him from any of the other shit going on with Manfred's run as uh, commissioner. But there was really no precedent for this. So when we think about if it's fair or foul, you have to say fair because. He gave us a model to kind of live by now. If you're an MLB manager or a general manager, you know that you cannot do this um, because these punishments, I, I was always expecting a slap on the wrist. And maybe I, I'm speaking for myself, but I never thought it was going to be, you know, a, a one-year ban for both GM and manager as well as additional, um, you know, effects with this as well with the draft picks and the $5 million fine. Uh, which is the highest that they can actually find, according to the Constitution of Baseball, which I didn't even know there was a Constitution until today. But Wait, it's, it, I, I, I thought you couldn't think of the word co- of collective bar- collect, but I thought you couldn't think of collective bargaining agreement, and that's actually it, the Constitution of Baseball? Yeah, so according to the report, because I read it. And oh, my said, God, that's incredible. Yeah, so there's apparently a Constitution. I think the collective bargaining is really only more – that affects like the players association. Yeah, uh, there's legit a constitution in baseball uh, that they <laughs> adhere to, and that's that's the law. So um, the highest penalty is five million dollars. They got the highest penalty. The other aspects of this discipline, that's the part where it's a little bit subjective, and you can kind of take into account everything that led up to this. So I think it's fair just for the fact that Manfred finally threw the fucking book at him and dropped the hammer and said, "This is not going to be tolerated anymore." We, the people of Major League Baseball, (laughs) 
and we hold these in or whatever the whatever the wording is. We hold these history, baseballs. Yeah. We heard we hold yeah. <laughs> we hold these balls to be true. <laughs> uh, and here I thought we were done with dick jokes. Nope. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, so we have the Astros, man. And, 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 like, the more I read about it, Buster Olney uh, came out with a report saying that it was player-centered with the exception of Alex Cora, who seemed to be pretty involved in it. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, that some players found it to be more of an annoyance than an actual advantage. But but Olney actually brought up a really good point. If that was the case, why would they keep doing it? Yeah, and that's the same argument I would have for A.J. Hinch because – Obviously, you know, buyer's remorse now because Hinch is, I guess, in the report, it cited that, oh, I didn't like it anyway. You know, I thought it was a distraction. Well, okay, why'd you keep doing it? And then also, it's your job as the manager to manage the fucking team. It's yeah. Not, it's, you can't just turn a blind eye. Um, this comes back to him directly. And whether or not Cora was the magician in the clubhouse who was making all this shit happen or Hinch had some minor role to play it doesn't matter at the end of the day your job is the manager you're supposed to manage these players and manage everything that goes on around it and then the same can be said for the gm uh lanau am i saying it right is a lanau or leno i think it's lanau how about i just call him the rat fuck um <laughs> anyway mr ratburn that's an arthur cut for all you older older people um Mr. Ratburn. Anyway. Oh my God! Hold on, a second. that just clicked. Wow. Yeah. See. Look Holy at that. cow! I'm bringing it back to PBS Kids. Yeah, you are. Yes. Made it, made, brought to you from viewers like you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Mr. Ratburn, while he was eating his cereal with nails, I don't know if you remember that episode. Yep. Uh, yep. But he had a part to play in this too, because when you're the general manager, it's the same. It's just a higher level of authority. So if you don't have an idea of what's going on in your clubhouse, and I have very good reason to believe that most GMs should have an idea of what's going on. Um, and you try to brush it off as if you weren't involved. That is even more of an issue. So now it's just them pointing the finger at each other. This report pretty much breaks it down in a very good manner just for everyone to follow. And it does not absolve anyone of any blame. And that's why I think these punishments are extremely fair for what we're seeing right now. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. And, and like, kind of like you said when I first brought it up, it's hard to, to argue fair or foul when nothing like this has ever happened. What do you think, obviously, the if, if you ask A.J. Hinch or Jeff Lanau, uh, their punishment was probably the most severe. Yes. Which part of this punishment do you think is, is the biggest? I think it's, the, it's Lanau and uh, Hinch because – I mean, you can talk about the draft picks all you want and how losing a first and second rounder for the next two years is huge, but we've talked about it at length when we were discussing potential disciplinary actions, and I think that draft picks in the MLB, granted they're big, but it doesn't change the course of your team in the immediate future. That's a future Astros problem. Yeah, agreed Um, 100%. Yeah, and the $5 million, I mean, really, like $5 million to a fucking Major League Baseball organization, that's... That's not according a, to the Constitution. But according to the Constitution, so they, they, they get levied at the highest expense that they could. Um, when you lose the GM and your manager unexpectedly like this, yeah, I'm, that's probably the biggest thing that you have to recover from because now they have to find both positions. 
and the season is less than three months away. So that's a big one. So, so my question when, when this came down is, is do they have an interim manager? Can they hire a new manager? Where can I submit my resume? Um, <laughs> so, but, but like now, you know, it's coming out that they're, they're speaking to, I just had the name. It slipped away. Uh, great radio here, Tommy. Um, AJ, now it's Joe Espada, their ask, the, the bench coach. Yeah. Who he's going to take over, I'm guessing, in interim? Yeah, I, I would assume this is probably going to be like an, an interim situation where he'll manage out the year uh, or the season. But, I mean, depending on how well they play or how good they are, um, who knows? Maybe Espada manages his way into a permanent job. But I think for the status of the team right now, because they're going to have to get a new GM and usually – bringing new GMs in, they want to get their guy for manager. Um, so unless Espada, you know, can actually bring this team together and they can, you know, continue to win without any of the, the extra noise <coughs> cheating, um, they should be okay. But again, it's it's tough because when you get – getting rid of the manager is one thing, but when you get rid of the GM too, now that's just a domino effect. So I don't I don't really know how to react. I think you're right. A spot is probably going to take it as, as an interim job right now, but I wouldn't expect him to be the permanent fixture moving forward. Yeah. All right, couple quick hitters here, and then we'll get to the interview. Um, Jim Crane says this does not taint the World Series title. Um, that's bull, bullshit, right? We're, just, we're in agreement on that? That is 100% horseshit, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, last quick hitter. Um uh, Jeff Lanau releases a statement and says that this, uh, or he's not a cheater. I am not a cheater, he says in a quote. Uh, former Astros GM releases a statement calling out players, Alex Cora, and quote, lower level employees for sign stealing scandal. Buy or sell that statement? Sell. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. If you're the GM, you have an idea of what's going on, and you're complicit in it in some way or another. Um, so either he knew and he just chose not to act or he, I mean, he, or he did know, but I have, I have a very hard time believing that a general manager of a baseball team at the major league level does not know what's going on. All right. Bonus quick hitter. All of AJ Hinch's sound bites about, we didn't do it. This isn't on us. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. Uh, how funny do those look right now? Oh, they're amazing. How about Alex Bregman when they were at, I forget, I can find the clip, but they asked him. Uh, how he adjusted to a curveball in one of his at-bats. And he said, oh, you know, I, uh, my reaction was just a little bit better that time around. Yeah, I'm sure it had nothing to do with hearing a fucking garbage can being smacked like a redhead stepchild in the dugout. <laughs> Jesus. Um, to steal from pardon my take, who's back of the week will be uh, those Astros memes. And it's just like fastball, and it's just like fucking somebody beating on a drum. <laughs> God, those were great, man. I loved those things so much. Oh, my God. Can we, should, we should play out the interview to that song from Doug, Banging on a Trash Can. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because, uh, you, put, you put that in our group chat earlier, and I was I was dying. Yep, I, I think that's, uh, that's very applicable to what's going on today. For sure. All right, uh, before we get to our interview with Joey Zanaboni, uh, I want to know – have you checked out our new uh, breakdown store yet? It's through T Public, and if if you haven't, then now is the time. With our brand new logo on a bunch of new merchandise, there's never been a better time to check out T Public than right now. 
It features tees, long sleeves, hoodies, tank tops, dog tees, phone cases, stickers, all kinds of stuff that you didn't know you need until you logged on. And it's bit.ly slash the breakdown store. That's bit.ly slash the BRK DWN store. All sales benefit the creating artist. And by using our link, we get a small portion of the profit as well. That's bit.ly slash the breakdown store. Check it out today. Seven, Joey Zanabani was electric. Let's get to him. All right, we now welcome on our, our special guest, third ever guest in the history of, uh, of, of the breakdowns, Gap to Gap. We welcome on uh, the man who went viral from a, a, an outstanding play-by-play video when he was doing baseball coverage at West Florida University. He's now the voice of the Johnson City Cardinals and St. Mary's University, the one, the only, Joey Zanaboni. Joey, how are you doing, my guy? Hey guys, I'm doing pretty well. Still kind of recovering, reeling from Megan and Harry leaving the royal family, but I'm really, <laughs> I'm just hanging in here the best that I can right now. I'm hunkered down and and just trying to get through it, really. <laughs> so, are we going to be seeing anything uh, on on West Mary Athletics about uh, Megan and Harry leaving and, and that whole situation? Are we going to see any original lines there? Oh, you know, I draw from all all sectors. It's tough though, man. I mean, you know, everybody's thought about leaving their family and. You know, it's it's one of those deals. It's harder to pull the trigger. I'll tell you, I thought about when my Uncle Gary got diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, I was about two seconds <laughs> from getting out of my family. And I'll tell you, that irritable bowel syndrome made, you know, the press coverage of Meghan Markle look like a look, look like a picnic, okay? It's really, really, it was really, really bad. But, uh, you know, most of us get through it. Some people don't. I don't begrudge them that. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, best of luck to them. And, uh you know, hopefully, hopefully their spot will get filled. It's funny you mentioned Uncle Gary because that was actually the first question I had, had written down. How's he doing? And more importantly, how's his Shih Tzu doing? Oh yeah, well they're both good. You know, <laughs> Uncle Gary, Uncle Gary, we don't hear from him as much nowadays. He'll uh, resurface every now and again, but he's got to lay low. He does everything through encrypted apps right now, which is good for him. Keep him off the radar, and I try to stay in touch with him the best I can. His Shih Tzu is uh, getting old, but Shih Tzus are known to live into their 30s and 40s, that's what he claims. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, there's many, many good years ahead. So ironic that IBS leads to him getting a shih tzu, no? Oh, absolutely. Well, everything goes back to IBS, at least exactly. for me. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so, so where does this all start from? Like, obviously, you know, you mentioned you wanted to be the first millennial, quote-unquote, play-by-play guy with, you know, you, you, your original tweet says, you know, raised on iPhones and, and Family Guy, and you wanted that to reflect in your play-by-play style. Where does this all draw from? Like, do you have some play-by-play heroes that you looked up to and you thought, you know, I kind of want to be like this guy, or, or where does that come from? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I grew up in St. Louis, so I was really, really into uh, Ken Wilson when I was growing up. He was the St. Louis Blues commentator. He was really the one that kind of made me want to do sports announcing and he did uh some baseball as well and and even into this decade has done a little bit i think with the mariners but you know really i think it's just about uh having an eye for changing times and an eye for art that's really what my background is more in. i was a liberal arts major a humanities major and you know uh things change people uh have to change with the times i think a little bit and and yeah i, I think sports announcing is a little bit behind the times because i think that uh, baseball announcing, maybe not sports announcing, because I think we see more sort of lively, modern sports announcing 
maybe in the NBA, in the NFL, things like that. But in baseball announcing, I think at times it's a little bit too obsessed with the past, and I see a little bit too much sort of obsession with nostalgia. And, you know, I mean, with social media being what it is, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, I mean, that's how kids today consume the content. And kind of in the roles that I'm in, I mean, that's really my job is to try to reach the fans and, and – a lot of them are just the family and the friends of the players. A lot of them are, you know, kids at the schools that I'm announcing for. And that's, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you got you to gotta meet them where they're at. And they're maybe not as obsessed with uh, somebody trying to sound like Red Barber or anything <laughs> like that. I mean, they're not. You know, that's that's the truth. They don't even know who Red Barber is. I barely know who Red Barber is. No, I'm kidding. I, I kind of do. I've read a couple of his books. But, I mean, it's it, it's just one of those deals where I think you have to keep looking forward. And that's just... What I'm trying to trying to go for, I guess. So I guess, uh, kind of jumping off that, when you think of like baseball, um, I guess pioneers in the play-by-play. Uh, I'm a Yankees fan, so John Sterling comes to my mind immediately. Uh-huh. Uh, what's your favorite Sterling call, and, and any suggestions you have to make them even better? Like, how would you put your Sterling? Oh boy, yeah. I don't <laughs> know. I don't really know as many John Sterling calls as uh, probably. Probably uh, somebody who's from the from the East Coast. Are you guys from the East Coast? So I'm uh, from Cleveland, and then uh, Brendan's from the Bo- or Seven's from the Boston area, okay. and and is a New York fan inexplicably. Yeah. Well, so. there's a few of them down there in Boston. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know as many of the Sterling uh, calls. I'm trying to think here, maybe about uh, one or two that he's had through the years. But uh, let's see, what was the one uh, where he was like Ford Tough or something like that? Oh, Mike say, Ford. Yeah, Mike yeah. Ford. Well, I think that's funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's good. I, you know, I like kind of kind of his style because he tries to make it unique um, to to the players, I, and I really relate to that because I try to I try to come up with new stuff, you know, for every game and every situation. I don't like to. There's only two or three things that I kind of go back to. My home run call is one of them, but. You know, there's, there's. I try to, I try to spice it up because that's, that's just what's interesting to me. But yeah, I, I'd say that Ford Tough one is, is one that I kind of recall from Sterling. Love it. That was, uh, that was a good one. Mike Ford's actually. So he was a rookie last year. So hopefully, there's, there's many more to come of the Ford yeah, Tough calls. Yeah. So uh, when I first saw your video, I told you, I was telling, telling you before we recorded, I saw it when it first made its rounds about nine, yeah. ten months ago. Um, it, it struck me very much. There was a guy who used to do uh, hockey play-by-play for the Florida Panthers, Randy mm-hmm. Moeller. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you heard of him? And if, uh, do you do his style of you know people can like chime in and say, hey, what do you think about this, Joey? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know he does. Uh, he does some movie quotes and stuff like that. I think yeah. I remember seeing some where he, he did a thing, Ma the Meatloaf, which was uh, <laughs> kind of thing that stood out to me about it. Yeah. Well, another guy in hockey would be Mike Lang who's yeah. kind of a hero of mine. He's kind of a similar kind of the crazy uh, phrases and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, I pitch myself as, as being, you know, kind of new wave, but, I mean, those guys are a lot older than I am and have been doing a lot longer than I have. And, I mean, they're just, you know, they're still kind of getting crazy with it and doing the doing the crazy calls and stuff um, for the goals and for the big moments. So, you know, yeah, I, I kind of identify with him, and, and Mike Lang would be another one for sure. Definitely. Do you or, or what was the reaction when you first, you know, got on the mic and decided one day, you know, I'm going to do these. I'm going to talk about Uncle Gary and his shih tzu or I'm going to cock it, lock it, rock it, restock it after a home <laughs> run. What, was, what yeah. was that kind of reaction? Uh, 
Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's varied. I mean, it's it's varied. And I'll say that the Lockett, Kaga, Rager, restock, that's really something I kind of started doing pretty much from day one. And, I, you know, that was my first season I came up with that. So that was, I mean, that was something I just put in there. With some of the other calls, yeah, I mean, it's suspicion. I think it's suspicion. I think there's a little bit of reticence, and I think there's a little bit of hesitation when people kind of hear about it theoretically. I think there's raised eyebrows and things like that. I think people, uh, you know, some people don't uh, get it. Some people don't, you know, understand it. But, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I think the, the traction that those videos have gotten and getting – think about a million and a quarter views uh over the last calendar year has shown there's a lot more people who are who are interested in commentary like that but you know i mean to be honest with you you know a lot of times they're not maybe all that close to you know actually helping to produce the broadcast that goes into a team and whether it's at a university or the minor leagues a lot of times it's just that the fans um, enjoy it, and I think that's really what we have to go for. It's not, you know, the one thing that I always have said is I don't announce for other announcers. I don't broadcast for other broadcasters. I don't do it to impress, you know, colleagues or even supervisors or anything like that. I do it because I think I know what people enjoy, and I do it because I enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope they enjoy it too. I hope, you know, I hope like everybody else that the people around me uh, like it. But, you know, I mean, it's it's a fact of society that a lot of times when you try to do something that's a little bit different, uh, you're not always immediately accepted. I think it was Van Gogh uh, who only sold one painting in his own lifetime. Um, Galileo was imprisoned. Uh, Einstein was considered a mediocre student, which many people know, but after he posited his theory of relativity in, I think, 1905, he was looked upon with suspicion by the great academic chairs of, of European universities for the next 15 years. They weren't able to scientifically confirm his theory of relativity until, I think, 1919. And for about 15 years, they, uh, well, they pilloried him. You know, they dismissed him because he was just a patent clerk who had come up with this. And so, you know, I mean, you have to, you have to in art or even in science, uh, when you set out to do something different, you have to be prepared for indifference, and you have to even be prepared for a little bit of backlash. And so I kind of have, like I said, that being kind of my background, you know, I, I kind of took that for granted and kind of just assumed that would be kind of it. So, that, you know, that was something I kind of was prepared for, I suppose. Definitely, definitely. Go so, ahead, son. Yeah, so I got, I got a question. I, do you take suggestions from fans to – so let's say there's – like the next home run call, would you take a suggestion and, and plug it in? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> so what I, do you I got? I got a few for you. Uh, All super, right. Super bad related. Uh, uh-huh. Going off of Randy Moeller with the meatloaf from Wedding Crashers. Uh, for one home run this year, if, uh, if you could also tag me in the tweet just to say old enough to party. Uh-huh. Um, that would be a good one. And then also I got to take a look at those warlocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a friend of mine that I actually call the warlock, so I kind of like that. Perfect. Uh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Well, I don't, I don't sprinkle in as many, you know, direct quotes from movies, but yeah, I'm always looking for stuff. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those deals where uh, you got to fill up the time somehow, and that's kind of the, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the thing. You always got to have some of your back pocket. So I'll definitely, I'll definitely take those uh, and put them down in the old notebook here. I was just about to say, do you have like a, like a giant list of 
of I'm gonna call them bonyisms that we're gonna that you're gonna get sure. to this season. That's great. oh yeah, man. I got I got documents after documents. I got files. I got file cabinets. You know, I I try to write stuff down constantly. But you know, that's that's kind of what I do too. I kind of think of myself as a writer first and foremost. Hmm. And I, that's I, interesting. Yeah, well, I got you know a background, like I said, in I guess liberal arts, and I, I really my concentration really in college was poetry. So I actually have a couple of chat books that I've written and I have some some different things that I've written that kind of ranges from funnier stuff to you know depressing Sylvia Plath style <laughs> you know wow, kind of stuff look at yeah. that moonshine Joey holy well I'll tell you what man <laughs> that was my worst yeah you know, I used to do stand up comedy too and so I, I remember that and I think my best night was I went up there and I did a dramatic recitation of Let Her Cry by Hootie and the Blowfish and oh man, the crowd was going nuts, and it was it wasn't singing; it was just you know recitation. Man, they laughed and they yeah. laughed, and I thought, boy, what can I do to follow this up? How can I kind of take them by surprise next time? It's tough because you got to stay one step ahead of the game. Oh, I went up there and I read "Stillborn" by Sylvia Plath, and <laughs> nobody had any reaction. There was zero. <laughs> I just died up there. But yeah, you know that's the thing. You know, for me, because I've done sports announcing for five years now, and so I'd, I've done it in the academic year, and then I do it you know, in the summer with, with professional baseball. And it's just, it's one of those deals where when you write them, you got to know when to use them. And that's really the big challenge. And that's kind of where kind of through the years I've been, I've been able to get a little bit better each year at kind of identifying which ones I want to use where, and then, and then putting them out, you know, putting them out there at the right time. Now, some of them I come up with on the spot, but I think the more memorable ones, oh, I think about them, and then it's not just that I write them, I rewrite them, and that's why I don't have any problem admitting. Hmm. I don't have any, you know, because some people will say, you know, maybe sort of your more traditional guidebooks or whatnot on sports announcing will say don't come in with pre-written lines, and I can understand that to some extent, but... I know, you know, there are a lot of broadcasters who do, but I, I spend a lot of time thinking about them beforehand. I might write something down as just the kernel, and then you're sort of, uh, you know, putting it in the microwave and letting it pop a little bit and then letting it pop a little bit more until you have it exactly how you want it. One word, you know, yeah, can change the whole thing. One adjective, one verb can change the whole thing, and it's just, you know, you, you have to spend a lot of time. So, I, you know, I don't. I don't shy away from that because I know how much work I put into them, I suppose. Definitely, and I, and I can definitely relate to that because I have a little bit of history of play-by-play, mostly in hockey, though, uh-huh. and in a touch of basketball. So I totally understand that that thought of, you know, man, this is going to sound great if I can get it out right, and it's just tooling it to try and get yeah. it out right. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. tough. It's hard, man. I mean, it's something that's just – some of them don't come out right. You know, some of them are just – you know, they're not that good, and – <laughs> yeah, I mean it is what it is. That's sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But that's the that's the, what I love about the broadcast is you can't you can't get the moments back. You know, you either, oh yeah, you just said what you said, and I think that's what makes people nervous when they do it. They think, well, I can't go back and and ever sort of get that moment back to to say something else or have my voice go a different way. But that's I mean that's the thrill of it. You know, to me, I guess. So, so a couple real quick kind of biz questions for you. Sure. Do you like do you like going solo or with a color commentator? Ah, either one. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever the uh, whatever the you know event calls for. I, I probably do more solo, but I think that's because I mostly work for smaller teams. Yeah. You know, smaller smaller colleges and 
and smaller uh, professional teams. Now I just did a I just did the men's junior college uh, soccer tournament in Tyler, Texas. I had a I had a, a color commentator and analyst, and we had a great time together. That was yeah, it was just fun. When you have something for something like that, especially where you're doing, you know multiple games together it's cool because i think more of it is is just off the microphone you just get to know somebody and get to know what their you know interests and stuff like that is and you know i mean it's it's fun yeah you know but no either one i i don't i don't mind really either way all right what about like like live stream like with video or just strictly radio well i think for the first three or so years that i did it it was all just audio and if we had a video stream i think the only video streams that uh, well, I'll take that back. When I, I the first three years I did it on the college level, I was at a community college, and we actually had a, a really nice video stream. But uh, we also simulcast to a radio station, so it was it was kind of like doing a radio broadcast mm-hmm. on, on video. Um, and I'll tell you, man, I was terrified to do in professional baseball, where for the first probably three or four years that I did it, it was just it was just audio streaming, and I was terrified of doing the video. And I thought, man, if I do the video, I'm going to say, hey, that was a slider and it was a curveball or, you know, that was a changeup and it was a fastball. I thought, oh, man, they're going to they're going to break out the pitchforks against me. (laughs) Yeah, well, seriously. And and, oh, uh, no, I totally I can totally relate to that fear. And that was but, you know, when I got to West Florida, they really the first year I was there, we I think we had a one camera broadcast and then we had it really was like a three camera broadcast. It got even better as as it went. But I just saw. In terms of getting the stuff to go off on social media, that's really, you know, it's so, uh, it's indispensable. You know, I used to do kind of the crazy calls and I'd put out just little clips on SoundCloud. Nobody really listens. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but nobody really listens to the radio for their, you know, their breaking sort of viral content. It might have mm-hmm. an appreciation. And I love the radio, you know, it's, it's the beauty of it. But I think with the with the video, just because the game... Some of the more mundane details of the game can get told just by the images. I think it lets you do do things a little more creatively. So I kind of, I kind of now I'm more on the video side. And if I'm in situations where there's not necessarily a video stream in Johnson City, for example, there's no video stream. I try to, you know, I'll record the game on my phone or I'll give somebody a camera and try to set them up with a camera and, you know, say, all right, let's get some shots, and then we'll try to link it up later Yeah, to, to yeah. get it out on social media. But, that you know, that's kind of what I do, too. I'm, I'm kind of a social media director, so I always kind of think it in those terms. Yeah, jumping off the social media aspect of it. So with the viral clip, obviously there might be some pressure to, to one-up that. Do you have plans to expand that outside of baseball, like maybe do some dubs? over some terrible broadcasts like Jason Witten or Booger McFarlane on Monday Night Football. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, any other projects in the pipeline, maybe? Uh, you know, yeah, I, I've thought about doing that. I think I've done that a time or two with a couple clips. But, you know, to be honest with you, I just I like going to the game or if you're right. not at the game, just watching a live stream and then and being able to put your uh, audio over it live. To me, that's really the thrill. Um you know, I think if I really wanted to expand my Instagram and my Twitter footprint and all that, I think that the most important thing would probably just be to get clips from games with teams that people really know. I mean, it's, you know, players that people really know. There's such a huge difference between 
uh, you know, watching an NBA game and watching a Division II college basketball game because the the fans know who the players are. They know what the situation is and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, to be honest with you, though, it's just not – that's not really my goal. My goal is not really to go, you know, mega viral or whatever. I mean, it's it's interesting and it's fun, but, you know, I, I don't know. There's just not really that appeal to me. <laughs> I know there's some people who do it, and they they have a lot of success with it. And they get a lot of views. They get a lot more views than I've ever gotten. You know, um, doing doing stuff like that, and more power to them. Bob Menery, guys like that. I think it's you know I think it's great, but it's just it doesn't really have that much appeal to me. I guess. What sport? Because you mentioned you did soccer, and I've seen you do volleyball for St. Mary's and other yeah. St. Mary's athletics. Yeah. What sport tees you up for the best one-liners? You think? I think baseball. I think baseball because I think the funny part about the one-liners is just that they come out of nowhere. And I think with baseball, that's usually how the game goes. Is it's just it's kind of like nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden the uh, something happens, and it's just you know you can pull the <laughs> pull the line out. Definitely. And I just think you know that's just the game that I understand the most. But you know I'll tell you, doing soccer, I think I did about forty-five soccer games over the last three months, and I just boy. You know, I just I kind of figured out how to do it, and so I feel just ripped like, your shirt off and start screaming, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's stuff like that. I mean, it's each sport kind of has its own rhythm, and that's I guess that's kind of what I I'm really trying to do. I mean, I'm really trying to figure out how to be a, a great commentator, not just somebody who has great lines. Sure. And so it's it's again, it's just about just learning the rhythm of the game and learning. You know, and baseball for me was probably the one I knew the most, and soccer is kind of when I know the maybe the second most. And I kind of am trying to get you know better into basketball and and uh, you know volleyball, football, anything like that. That's awesome, though. And then from I know you said like it's not your goal to be a viral sensation, but from the clips or I guess your favorite calls, what's your favorite line you've had from any sport, regardless baseball, soccer, or whatever you've done? <laughs> Yeah. Ah, uh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not as good at remembering them. Even though I do go back and rewatch those videos and weep, I often cry watching those videos. Uh, well, you think I'm joking about that, but that's actually, it's 100% true. Yeah, I do. I do cry. Really? Oh, yeah, man. I remember uh, when one of those videos of the spring, um, it got picked up by the For the Wind blog on okay. USA yeah. Today, and I just, God, the guy wrote this really nice article, Ted Berg, shout out, and uh, he, you know, he said, well, this guy deserves a major league gig. Oh, I cried the entire morning. Oh, heck yeah. I couldn't even, That's I couldn't awesome. even drag myself to work. Um, I think I just had to work that night, so I didn't, you know, but, I, oh, yeah, I cried, and, and um, I mean, they mean a lot to me, I guess, because I know you know, that not everybody gets it, you know, not everybody understands it, and it's something that's off the wall. I, you know, from my perspective, I don't really think it's that offbeat. I don't think there's anything that weird about it, but, you know, some people think, wow, this is like this is like crazy, it's weird, and so I know, um, you know, just what it's taken to be an individual in a business that oftentimes – and I'm not, you know, shouting anybody out or accusing anybody of this, but oftentimes it does encourage conformity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, there's kind of a cookie cutter way of doing it. And I just have, for whatever reason, 
just kind of decided to, uh, you know, try to go my own, go my own way. And I guess, I guess if I had to say one that really, I felt like that was the one that really got, the one that really got me going last spring was one in that video that went viral where it was like, I thought the whole call was good. The guy gets the ball, the hole is short. Flashing the leather like a nudist colony on a dude. Right <laughs> yep, that was a great one. That I think that one. was the one that really kind of made me feel like, all right, because you got it. There's some lines you do, and you're like, eh, I don't know how people are gonna respond to this, and then it's just like, yeah, you're either gonna push the pedal down and do it, or you're not. And I think what was funny about that one was um, somebody came up to me after that inning and said something like, uh, "Oh, I think we might have lost the." the stream oh no yeah and so like i said i almost never repeat the lines but i went back later and actually did that line again <laughs> i was like just in case it doesn't yeah you know so i was like eh, never have used it in another game not to say i wouldn't ever do it but yeah yeah it was i remember i went back later that night and downloaded the file i was like all right they got it bada boom <laughs> you know that was that was huge <laughs> That's funny. I, I can actually completely relate. I was doing my one of my first football games ever, and I was kind of copying Scott Van Pelt a little right. bit. And um, it was like, oh, he finds his sensei and takes it to the dojo for six. Sure, sure. And um, I immediately got a got a message back on our we we were recording through Discord, and he the guy messaged me. Go, oh, we, it cut out because of the crowd noise. I'm like, oh you yeah, gotta be kidding. Oh, me. that happens to me all the time. Well, that was part of the thing. When I really first started doing it, I didn't have any background in in sports broadcasting, really. I'd never taken any – I'd never even really taken a journalism class or anything like that. So then how would you get into this? <clears throat> if you don't mind me cutting you oh, off. Oh, no, sorry. no, yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you that. Well, what I was going to say, though, is I just didn't really even know how to handle the equipment. And so I just – boy, I had so many <laughs> – you know, probably that first season I did, and, you know, even to this day – you know, I've, I've lost stuff just because of the, you know, I just scream into the microphone and all that. And I just, oh yeah, I just, or the crowd noise and I haven't adjusted the, the microphone right. Oh, it happens all the time. That's, but again, that's kind of, that's kind of why I like, because you got to learn how to use. Now I kind of have my own setup where I'm like, all right, I know exactly how this works, but at least, to, at least to get it through. But, uh, you know, how did I get into it was, uh. Uh, you know, I, I graduated college. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and I kind of I had this idea of being a sports announcer. I wanted to do it when I was a kid, and, you know, I don't know. When I got to high school and college, it just kind of seemed a little bit too narrow for me, and so I wanted to maybe go into something like comedy or acting, and I did some different things. I did some improv comedy, did some stand-up, um, did quite a bit of writing, which I still do, and you know, I, I had all this stuff. You know, I remember I was in college. I wrote a play and, and got together a group and we performed it. It was like an absurd comedy. And hey, it just seemed like that was something that was more kind of up my up my alley a little bit. But, you know, I just, once I got out of college and you just have that sort of sense of like, all right, what am I going to do now? And um, I just I just had this feeling like, all right, if I don't, if I don't try sports announcing, I think I will regret it. Yeah, uh, quite a bit, and so I got a I got an internship at a radio station, and there was a summer college team in Derby, Kansas, right outside of right outside of Wichita, and you know it was I thank God every every single day for the magic of Ron Baker and the Wichita State team that year, because what happened was they went undefeated, and they were having that crazy season. They eventually lost to Kentucky in the NCAA 
uh, yep. tournament. But they're mm-hmm. having that amazing season. And the guy who ran that team, the Derby Twins, was a really big Wichita State fan. And so he actually traveled to St. Louis for the um, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. And I had applied with the team, and I had gotten rejected from another team, which kind of made sense. I didn't have, you know, an amazing resume. I had a tape, but it wasn't – I don't think it was great. It was just one game, really, or whatever. And – um. Yeah, he just reached out and said, well, I'm coming to St. Louis. And that was I was living here full time at the time, and that's where I'm from. And I just I just said, all right, let's meet. Uh, and we did. And we sat down. I was just able to kind of talk to him. And uh, I think that helped a lot. I think if I had just emailed him, I know he was considering me, but I don't know that I would have gotten a job. But sitting down and talking to him, and it, it really helped. And so I just, I just left a, a couple months later, and I just said, I'm just going to see how this goes. I'm not really 100% sure what I'm doing, but <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to give it a shot. And that was that was really it. Yeah, for sure. All right, so our last question, Joey, it's the Seat Geek question Seat Geek question. Man, I can never say that one. <laughs> the Seat Geek question put a, put in promo code breakdown, get 20 bucks off your first Seat Geek purchase. You mentioned the 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 notebook and file cabinets and and overall dictionary of Joeyisms. <laughs> Can you tease any of any of the 2020s for us? Eating it up like an eighth grade YouTuber in a bucket of Tide Pods. Oh, <laughs> I love that. How about You're that? You're first on Gap to Gap. I love that. Nobody steal that. It's copyright. Uh, oh, I, I won't. I promise. That's, that's outstanding. Ah, I just thought of that today. I was just sitting there today. That's a good one. That's yeah, one. sitting in sitting in the dark room alone today and said here's a bolt of lightning for for anyone out there who needs something and uh yeah you know i don't know i here's the other thing too is i I try to come up with them a lot of times like you know finalize them right before the games it kind of helps a little bit i think that's one thing because you don't want to sit on them too long be like oh man yeah i've had this one for you know six months i've been waiting to waiting to break this puppy out you know it's just, opening day you blow your load in the third <laughs> inning well yeah that's tough man it's hard well that's you know that's the other thing too is you got to kind of I, I think that's the thing about baseball that i love is just that you basically get a replay each game, but it also is a challenge because you pretty much have to sit down. I think in baseball you can't really hold you, – you run through them all, you know, yeah. or at least, you know, kind of – so you got to you gotta kind of keep challenging yourself to do it. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, try to, I try to come up with them at least kind of a little bit closer to the game so they sound maybe a little bit fresher. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's just one of those deals. Where do they come from? I don't know, and – I think it's just it's about reading, you know, and consuming different media and then waiting for the, you know, you read a book on a subject and then you just get a little detail and kind of come back up later in your mind. And I think that's really I think that's really the key. Yeah, definitely. Well, Joey, man, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank Uh, you. I know I'll be tuning into St. Mary's Athletics wow, and, and Johnson City Cardinals baseball wow. to, just, just to hear some of this goal and, and to hear uh, eighth grade YouTuber. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a gold line, man. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, it's all uh, it's all good, man. I appreciate it. And thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. I don't do a ton of podcasts. 
or anything like that. I'm actually kind of hey, sh- well, well, come on, come on back anytime you want. Man. Yeah, anytime you you got you want to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, uh, field test some material. We'll, yeah, we'll feel free to bounce it off us. Well, I'm actually. I think that's <laughs> one thing that I think you know. I don't know if people out there are interested at all. I I you know have my doubts, but I'm actually kind of a shy person. I'm actually a real sort of uh, you know. Uh, under the radar kind of individual a little bit, you know, socially anxious. I don't do a ton of, uh, hmm. oh, yeah, man, I don't do a ton of, uh, you know, media interviews and stuff like that. I, you know, I just that's just not really who I am. I just like announcing games. I'm just a regular guy who likes announcing sports in a somewhat irregular way, I guess. And, uh, yeah, it's cool to kind of kind of spread my wings a little bit and get out there. Definitely. Well, Joey, thank you so much for joining us. You can catch him, uh, Johnson City Cardinals Baseball and St. Mary Athletics. Again, Joey, thanks so much, man. All right, man. Thanks a lot. See you guys later. Yep. Thanks, Joey. That's it. All right. Big thanks to Joey. He was outstanding. Uh, Check out the Johnson City Cardinals. Check out St. Mary University Athletics. Uh, Check out his Twitter page. Just the absolute electric factory. It's at Joey Zana. So uh, check that out right now. Um, Seven, what a fun episode, man. Yeah, this was a good episode. This was uh, The chips kind of fell into place. We have a bonus episode coming because I believe that justice if, will uh, swiftly I would act say, again. I would say if justice comes down. It will swiftly with, act. Oh, it's at Joey underscore Xana. Sorry about that. Um, but if justice comes down and Alex Cora is dealt – uh, five fingers to the face from, from Rob Manford himself, then we will have you covered uh, instead of waiting until next week. We'll, we got you right here on Gap to Gap. Until then, hopefully we'll talk to you Wednesday. Yep, yeah, banging on trash can. <laughs> if we don't, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. He's Real 7 Costanza. I'm Tommy Caricelli. See you. Bang it. On the trash can, bang it. On the street light. 